Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse 48. This morning I'd like to share with us about our Heavenly Father, or our Father which is in Heaven. Before we approach God's Word, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the privilege of studying Your Word together. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to instruct us in the way of righteousness and truth, and to quicken us according unto Your Word. As always, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us and keep us free. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Matthew five forty eight simply says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Thank God for perfect fathers. Amen. Thank God for perfect fathers. That is, mature fathers. Of course, when the Bible refers to perfection or being perfect, it's talking about maturity. When Jesus came to the earth to reveal to us the invisible God, in other words, to make the invisible God visible, He revealed Him as being a loving Heavenly Father. As a matter of fact, if you'll do a study and read through the Sermon on the Mount, you'll discover that Jesus actually, in that teaching, revealed the very Father heart of God. That's exactly what he did. Of course, they were taken back by what he shared because they didn't know God that way. They knew God as being a God of justice and judgment. They didn't know him as a loving Heavenly Father. But when Jesus came on the scene, he began to share some things about the Father God that revealed to them how much the Father really cares about human life. Some things that we all need to look into and recognize. As a matter of fact, if it's your desire to be the best father that you can possibly be, and some of you uh, younger individuals out there, you may think, how does this pertain or relate to my life right now? Well, you need to prepare yourself before you become a father. No matter what your identity is in life, you have to make preparations first. You don't just become a doctor by saying, I want to become a doctor. You've got to go to school and prepare yourself to become one. And the same thing is true with many other professions. Well, if you want to become a good father, the best father that you can possibly be, then you need to prepare yourself in advance. And so you might want to take some notes and jot down some thoughts that will help you develop into the kind of person that God would have you to be. Now, if that's your desire, I encourage every single one of us individuals to consider our Heavenly Father, our Father which is in heaven, and more or less... Look at his example and follow his example. I mean, if you're looking for an example, how can you find a better one than the Father God himself? Amen? Amen. Here's one area where we don't have to look very far to find out how we can become better fathers. Just look to the Father God and just pattern your life after him. And if you'll do that, you'll be the best father that you can possibly be. Well, just what kind of father is this God that Jesus came to reveal? Let's look at one thought. First of all, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26 gives us our first point. He is one that provides for his children. In Matthew 6 and verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Now notice... Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Jesus is here telling the people that there's no need to be concerned about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on, where you're going to live. 
All those necessities of life are important, but the Heavenly Father sees to it that He meets all those needs. If we are a child of God, then that should not be a big concern of ours. As a matter of fact, we discover that He adequately takes care of the animals, the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air and all that. He adequately takes care of all them and aren't we better than they, He says. He is a God of provision. He is a Father of provision. He provides all that is necessary for the well-being of His children. As a matter of fact, if you go right to the very beginning of it all, you'll discover that before He brought Adam and Eve on the scene, He made full provision for their well-being. As a matter of fact, I believe any expecting parent is going to do something to provide what is necessary for the child's arrival, wouldn't you say? Now, I don't know about you, but there's always a lot of work that needs to be done when you know that a child is coming to your home. Usually there's a room to paint, and usually you don't get it right the first time. And that's not usually by the father's choice. Usually the, there's furniture to buy and other things that we have to get a hold of and collect and all that. There's just a lot of preparation involved in preparing, you know, for a child, a new arrival to come into your home. Well, we may think that, you know, we've done so much to, to provide a nice place. But while we were painting our rooms, God was putting together a universe. Think about that. Now, he was going to have offspring, but he wasn't just going to have offspring nowhere. He had to think up a universe. He had to paint the stars in the sky, set it all in motion, form the earth. Have you ever considered the earth itself and the miracle of our environment and the place where we live? All this in preparation for Adam and Eve. Think about that. A perfect garden. A perfect job. Perfect mates for each other. Everything was perfect from the very beginning. And God put it all together. Made full provision for Adam and Eve's existence. And that includes all the resources we have in the earth. Just the right climate and temperature and so on and so forth, the right kinds of fruits and vegetables and things to eat and all that, all those things were taken care of. He didn't just make a room for Adam. He gave him a whole earth. Isn't that something to think about? And think about this. He made him the ruler of the earth. Glory to God. See, sometimes I think we are limited in our faith because we think that on this earth we are to be slaves or we're to be captive by the surroundings that we face every day in life. But you know what? We were not created that way. We were created to rule and to reign Amen. and to have dominion. Isn't that what the Bible says from the very beginning? Yes. The earth is not to rule us. We've been made to rule the earth. Praise God. But anyhow, my point is God Himself made full provision for man's existence before He ever came. And whatever it was that he needed, it was already provided. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good father? Make full provision before the fact. And then when finally Adam and Eve came on the scene, I mean, think about it. It was all there. Anything and everything for their spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being was already provided. And so it's within each and every one of us who is a father today to provide for our own and to see to it that we make those provisions beforehand so that when the child is born into our families, that child has all that is necessary for its spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. And we get that from our Heavenly Father God. As a matter of fact, if you just read through the Bible, I'll just give you a verse to look to. You don't have to turn to it right now. But it's found in 1 Timothy 5 and 8. And it says that if we don't provide for our own, then we are worse than infidels. Even animals take care of their own. We can look at uh, nature and discover that 
the way God set it up or the way God designed it, things provide for themselves. Even animals provide for their own. You ever watch some of the Discovery Channel and, and some of the you know, shows they have on animals and that sort of thing and just see how wonderful God is? Can you not see the beauty of God in nature and in the animal kingdom? I mean, you think about it. What a great God we serve. Now, where do they get all these instincts? Where do they come from? God placed within each and every one of us and in the animal kingdom also certain instincts on the inside of us that we fulfill every single day because of who He is. He is the Father of lights. And so if we want to be the kind of Father that God wants us to be, we have got to make full provision for our children. And when I say full provision, it goes even above and beyond what we can provide in the natural. It also means some things that we must provide in the spiritual realm for them too. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Secondly, and just look at Matthew chapter 5 and let's begin at 44 now. Well, 43, we read just verse 48. Secondly, Jesus revealed that the Father is one that loved His children with a perfect love. In verse 43, You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the Son, his Son, to rise on the evil. Did you notice his Son? See, some scientists think that the universe belongs to itself. But it doesn't. It belongs to God. It's His Son. He set it up there. He put the stars in the sky. He named them. Amen? It's His Son. He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And that means that He is one who loves with a perfect love. A love beyond our comprehension. It's a love that goes beyond the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of our comprehension. He loves not only His own, He loves even His enemy with the perfect love. That's hard sometimes for us to relate to. Yet it's true. And if we want to be the kind of fathers that God wants us to be, then we too must learn to develop that kind of unconditional love. It's a love that goes above and beyond the natural. It's a love that's not based on the performance of the child. Now you know as well as I do that a perfect environment does not guarantee a child will not rebel. As a matter of fact, if you go back once again to the beginning, you'll discover that even though Adam and Eve were placed in a perfect environment, they still rebelled against God, their Creator. And I realize that in Christian homes today, we can provide a wonderful, beautiful environment for our children to grow up in, yet still we can have one that might just follow through and just continue in the things of God and one might rebel even though they were brought up in the same environment. See, sometimes parents are overcome by guilt because they think just because a child has rebelled that you know, they've done wrong or they haven't lived right or whatever, something is lacking in their lives. Well, if that's true, then what happened to God the Father who made Adam and Eve? who provided an absolutely perfect environment, gave them a universe and a whole garden that was just theirs. Gave them every good thing they could possibly desire and want. Gave them each other to love, etc. What a perfect place. Actually, would come down in the cool of the day and sit and discuss his future plans with them. And just visit with them and share with them. Isn't that true? And yet they rebelled. Right there in that beautiful place, that beautiful environment, 
they still rebelled. So what did God do? God still loved them. Yes, they were judged and they were punished as a result of their sin and transgression, but yet God still loved them with a love that goes beyond human comprehension. Even in their sin, He provided for them. He made provisions for their redemption. I'm going to say it this way. He made provisions for them to come back to Him. And even if our children might rebel at times, as parents, we still should make provisions for our children to come back. How do we do that? By loving them with a perfect love. There's only one thing I've found in the Word of God that says we will never fail, and that's the divine agape love of God. Amen. It never fails. And so to become that father that God would have us to be on this earth, we must recognize and realize the need for us to develop this kind of love, to love our children with the perfect love, a love that's not based on the performance of the child. I mean, we always would choose for them to do what is right rather than to do that what was wrong. Isn't that true? But yet we realize very often that doesn't always happen. We also must recognize the need to continue to love them just as the Father loved His when they fell. As a result, they came back. As a matter of fact, if you ever read, have you ever read John 3.16? For God so loved the world... See... His love for the world was not based on the performance of the people. His love was based on His nature. And you know what's a father's nature to love his own children? It's a father's nature to care for his own children. I mean, you can bring a, a whole room full of children right here. We can fill this sanctuary to capacity with children. But you get a father to stand up here and singles out his own isn't there something that makes him proud when he sees those two or three or however many are his? I mean, imagine that. Why is that? It's a part of you. That child is a part of your life. And you love that child from the depth of your being. It belongs to you. That's how God feels about it. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Are you ready for this? He was willing and actually laid down His own life to bring His children back to Him. That's a mouthful, isn't it? He was willing to give up and sacrifice His own life to bring His children back to Him. He may have hated their sin, but He loved them enough to make provisions for them to come back. That is loving with unconditional love, with a perfect love that even reaches out to love one's enemy. If we are to love our enemies, how much more are we to develop a love for our children that goes beyond human scope? Point number three is found in Matthew 6 and verse 6. Another point uh, about the Heavenly Father God which we should develop. And in this verse, we'll discover that He always makes Himself available to His children at all times. In Matthew 6, 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Notice the door into the Father's secret presence is always open no matter what time of day or night. If God indeed is our Heavenly Father, the door to His throne is open at all times. And you know what? He is never too busy for any of us. He is always available unto all of us. I've often wondered how in the world He could possibly be able to listen to everybody's prayer, especially at the same time. He probably speaks from heaven saying, you don't realize there's not too many praying down there. Uh-oh. But I'm sure he's big enough to handle all the calls that are being made. Amen. Well, as earthly fathers, likewise, we have to recognize the need to make ourselves available to our children at all times. 
We have got to recognize how important we are to their lives. And that there are certain things that only we can provide for them and certain things they are looking to receive from us as fathers. Now the Father says, Come boldly to the throne of grace and you'll obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that means no matter what time of day or night, no matter what the need is, the throne is always open and whatever you need, you'll find right there in your heavenly Father's presence. Now I realize as earthly fathers, our resources are limited. We don't have all that we'd like to give to our children. And I'm sure that some children might take advantage of it if you did have it to give. I mean, I can imagine just, you know, one walking in and saying, Father, you said the door is always open. I need a million dollars. Well, you may not have that to give right at the moment. You may never have that to give in your lifetime. And then you'll have to be a father who sits down and gives your child something better than a million dollars. And that's good, sound advice. Amen. Amen? And you properly direct their heart into the things that are important in life. And you tell them, although God wants to bless you in this life, even financially, the most important thing is that you'll walk with Him and that you find out what His will is and that you fulfill it and God will bless you along the way. You direct them the way they need to be directed. Now, again, our resources are limited, but still we can introduce them to the Heavenly Father and we can show them how they can benefit in their life by following what His plan is for them. Also, Matthew 6 and 6 gives us another revelation of the Heavenly Father. I want you to notice the latter part of the verse. It says, And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. The Heavenly Father also is a Father who rewards the obedience of His children. You know, we think about rewarding our children for the things that they do that are correct or that are right in life. I guess you can start it with potty training. Isn't that true? I mean, we're talking about the basics now. You go right from the very beginning and you reward your child for being obedient. Where does all this come from? Seems to me it comes from the Father God. He rewards the obedient acts of His children. He is not one who just ignores the things that we do to advance His kingdom or in obedience to Him. He sees and He openly rewards us. As a matter of fact, I read somewhere, I think it's Hebrews 11 and verse 6 in the Bible, that says, He that cometh to God must believe that He is... Do you believe that God is? <laughs> Hallelujah. You believe that He is? You better now. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I believe that He is. He is the great I Am. He is the Al Shaddai of our lives. He is the Eternal Father. I mean, He is everything you want Him to be. He is the great I Am. Amen. But also it says that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Isn't that what the Bible says? He rewards His children for being obedient to seek His face and do His will. So once again, we see this aspect of our Heavenly Father. He rewards the obedient acts of His children. I want you to turn with me. Hold your place there because we're going back to Matthew. But look at Proverbs chapter 3, if you would, please. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. Boy, I learned that the hard way. Did you ever have to go to the school of hard knocks when you were growing up? Have you? Come on now, be honest. We'll pray for you if you're not. Have you ever had to go through the school of hard knocks when you were growing up? Boy, I've been there. I'm telling you, I don't know why it is, but we seem to think that we can just do our own thing and have our own way, and mom and dad's supposed to just sit back and listen and take heed to what we think and how we feel. 
It took me a while to realize that although I was faster than my dad, he would still get me in the end. And I went through the school of hard knocks to find that out. Amen. We don't have to learn the hard way. Obedience is a whole lot better than sacrifice. And sometimes you'll have to sacrifice your flesh if you're not obedient. But if you are obedient, the rewards for obedient are so overwhelming, I don't know why anybody would want to be disobedient. Young people, listen carefully. The rewards for obedience are wonderful. Amen. And so if you'll learn to obey your parents in the Lord, you have a reward that will await you that you want to enjoy. As a matter of fact, I believe... Now listen carefully, everybody. I believe that this one verse in the Bible has enough to bring somebody out of the throes of death. I really do. If you have obeyed your parents in the Lord... You've been promised long life on this earth. And you realize that's enough faith right there for you to overcome sickness and disease. And I'll show you that scripture in a minute. But right now, look at Proverbs chapter 3. My son, verse 1, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Isn't that obedience? What's the reward for my heart keeping the commandment of God? Length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to thee. I like that, don't you? Which father out there right now, if you could add length of days, long life, and peace to your child, would do it? Notice, length of days, long life, and peace. Length of days means, I guess in 24 hours, you have a better, longer day or something. Just length of days. Long life and peace on this earth will be added to you if you'll keep the commandment of the Lord. So He rewards us. Look at the next. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Oh, now, why should I be merciful to anybody? Why should I honor truth? Why should I be a person of integrity? Why? Because, look at verse 4. You'll find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. That's your reward. You know, when you find favor in the sight of man, you get blessed. Do you know that God could make you find favor in the sight of man? And when you find favor in the sight of God, you are really blessed. God rewards us when we honor Him and obey His commandment and also walk in mercy and truth. He'll reward us. What are you looking for in this life? Favor with God and man. I'm telling you, it's good to have favor with men when you're going to apply for a job. You've got 300 people applying for the same job and yet you walk in there as a believer and you've walked in mercy and you've walked in truth and all of a sudden, something just begins to flow out from you that touches the heart of the person that's, you know, giving you your interview and says on the inside, I just don't understand it, but I, this, this is the right person for the job. You've got favor with God and man because you've shown mercy and truth. Look at the next. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. Now, if I'm obedient to do that, I don't want to make my own decisions. Young people, listen. Your father can give you some good, solid, sound advice about decision-making in your life when you're growing up. And if you'll learn to make the right choices and decisions, praise God, it'll help you along life's path. And it says this, this will be your reward. He will direct your path. I'm telling you that's one of the biggest things in life. There are many individuals that are confused in life. They don't know which way to go or which way to turn. And as a result, they are being eaten up on the inside. But the Bible says right here, if we'll obey God by just turning it all over to Him and acknowledging Him in all our ways, not trusting our own instincts, not trusting what we want with our own understanding, but turning it over to Him, He'll direct our path. And when you have direction in life, beloved, you're a happy camper. Amen? amen. amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Being in the center of God's will for your life is the best place to be. And when you know that's where God wants you to be, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Your heart is satisfied trusting in God. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. 
Well, if we'll be obedient to do that, you say, what does it mean to fear God? Don't think that the way we see life is the right way. Don't think that our view and perspective of what we should be doing with our lives is always correct. We are to fear God. Hold Him in high esteem. Reverence Him. Reverence His decisions. Do what He would have us to do to walk away from wrongdoing and to walk away from evil and to live right. You know, right now we're living in a time, beloved, when Christians are being contaminated by the world system. Many are opening up the door to all kinds of wrong things. I'm telling you, things that are destructive. We can go back way, way many years ago and discover that these things existed. But even more so today, people are opening up the door to things that are wrong. But the problem today is this. Back then they knew they were wrong. But today many think that they're okay. Hey, it's the 90s. It's okay to live together. Hey, it's the 90s. It's okay to drink. It's okay to smoke. It's okay to fornicate. It's okay to do whatever. And let's go a little bit further. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're a homosexual or a lesbian in today's 95 modern society. And even some of the so-called churches are just opening up the door and letting it all in. It's okay. You know, a person has a right to choice. No, beloved. We can choose if we want to. But don't choose what is wrong in the sight of God and say it's okay. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And what God says is evil is evil. Well, how can you say something like that? Because He's God and we're not. And what He says is evil is evil. Correct? Amen. And if He says you shouldn't fornicate, you shouldn't fornicate. If He says you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't commit adultery. If He says you shouldn't lust, then you shouldn't lust. And the list goes on and on and on. Be not wise in our own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Separate yourself from evil. Well, what will my reward be then? My goodness, how am I going to live in this life? It will be health to your navel. Marrow to your bones. What's that talking about? You can be a healthy person. You can live a long life on this earth. And you'll find out that many sexual sins open, open the door to many sicknesses and incurable diseases. Is that not true? Absolutely. And other things. You know, and once again, you say, you know, why do we point out some of these things? You know, beloved, because let's face facts. Tobacco will cause cancer. Liver problems can be caused by alcohol. I mean, and the list goes on and on. It's talking about having a healthy life, a healthy body. Those things don't promote health. And you know what, beloved? I believe that you can use that verse right here. If you're a person who has contracted something and you haven't done any of these things, you can stand up against that and just say, Father, you said right here, if I depart from what is evil, I would have health in my life, in my bones and in my body. You said it right there. And He'll reward your obedience with health. Look at the next. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And in other words, if you give to the Lord what belongs to Him, Financially, you support His work on the earth, your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, this is so important. Here are five things we, God told us that if we would do, He would give us rewards for. And if we would learn to live our lives this way, we'd be blessed beyond measure. Now, as earthly parents, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to provide those things for your children? We can't always do that because our resources are limited. But we can instruct them in the way of the Lord and show them what God would do for them if they would just obey Him. And you know what, beloved? How many of you can raise your hand with me today and say, Oh, I wish I knew what I know now when I was young. I mean, raise it up there. Young people, are you listening? I know you think sometimes we're older fuddy-duds and all that. But I want you to know that if we knew... Right now, if we knew, when we were young, your age, if we knew what we know now, oh, life would be a whole lot different. Life would be a whole lot different, wouldn't it be? Absolutely. We'd walk in the precepts of God and we would learn to receive all the benefits that He has provided. 
Because He is a loving Heavenly Father who cares about us. And so as loving uh, earthly fathers, it's our responsibility also to reward our children when they are obedient. You know, we can help shape and mold our children's lives by rewarding their obedience. See, we're very quick to point out faults, failures, and mistakes, are we not? Come on, in the natural. I mean, I don't know about you, but people grow up in an environment where they always hear, my goodness, what are you doing? You're not going to amount to anything, etc., etc. I remember my dad, my dad, just a wonderful father, just a wonderful father. And I don't criticize him in any way. But I remember that my dad was one who could do anything, anything, name it, the man can do it. I mean, he can take your transmission apart, never took one apart, but he knows how to do it just by getting under the car and doing it. I mean, you know anybody like that? He could take an engine apart. He can build your house. And I said, well, Dad, how did you learn all these skills? I don't know. He said, I just do it. I just figured it has to be done and you figure out how to do it. And that's what he did. And he can do anything. But you see, sometimes when you're like that, it's hard for you to relate to someone else who's not like that. Isn't that true? It's true. It's hard to relate to someone else who's not like that. And so I remember just being this, you know, little thing and we're painting the downstairs. And, and my dad, he knows how to do it all right. You know, perfectionist, whatever. And I'd come along, I'd try to do something, get it on, on the floor, on the ceiling. <laughs> Finally, he'd get that paint person smack me on him and says, hey, want it on you? <laughs> and he just could never do it good enough. Do you see what I mean? Because he was a perfectionist at all these things. And so you could never do it good enough. Well, the thing is, we need to learn to be able to pass those things on to our children and reward them by giving them the things that they need to develop as God has given them to us. See, rather than always point out faults and flaws, to bring them up in an environment where we pull out of them good things and put into them good things. See? And that's not an easy thing to do sometimes because once again, as I said, when you can do all those things, it's hard to relate to somebody who can't do those things. We need to have patience and show them and teach them and instruct them and nurture them and help them. Reward them when they do it the right way. And you build self-esteem within them. They have a good self-image. And they see themselves as being somebody special. And you know, when you do that, beloved, it does a world of good for the individual's life. Oh, I mean to tell you, when you're being told that you are somebody important and that you are somebody special and that you will get it right, you will develop your skills and you stop saying things like, man, you can't do anything right. Don't you have a head on your shoulders? What's the matter with you? Can't you even paint a block or whatever? Can you see what happens, beloved? We can be the cause of, of putting things within them that would hurt them for the rest of their lives. And so, I just admonish all of us as fathers, if God has given us certain talents, abilities, and skills that we have, to be quick to pass those things on and help develop our children, but doing it in a loving and a kind way that will help build self-esteem. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I believe this with all of my heart, that if we're obedient to God, we'll eat the good of the land. Isaiah 119 says, if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. God wants us to be obedient to do these things so that we can eat the good of the land. And you know, when we do, so will our children. And so will their children after them as a result of the heritage being passed on from one generation to the next. Number five is found in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. Hebrews in chapter 12. Now you know that if God rewards the obedience of His children, He is also quick to chasten His children for doing wrong. This is the fun part, right? God is also a father who chastens or chastises His children for wrongdoing. In the book of Hebrews 
In chapter 12, we have a revelation of it. In verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, then God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? And you can go on and reading, reading the rest of all that about chastening that comes from the Lord. But the thing to recognize or remember about the chastening that comes from the Heavenly Father is that this word actually means to child train, to instruct or teach by precept and by example. He recognizes that we are limited in our understanding. He recognizes our need to develop and grow. And so He teaches us by His precept and example. And when we're not doing what is right, He gets our attention and He begins to tell us how to do it the right way. Have you ever noticed that it's hard to tell your child to do something when they're doing it their way and you think it should be done another way? Have you ever been there? We've all been there before. And the problem is, it seems like you know, their, their development is not where it needs to be yet. And so you see how it needs to be done, and you can't relate to that. The fact that your child is not doing it the same way you're doing it, or they don't know how to do it. Well, beloved, can you imagine the God who made the universe? The God who set everything in motion, trying to deal with us as individuals? Just think about you dealing with your child. You think about Him dealing with us. Now, if we say sometimes our children, you know, are somewhat hard-headed, they just don't listen to what we're trying to say, can you imagine how He must think about us? I mean, sometimes we think, hey, I've got a master's degree, I've got an education, I've got a few initials at the end of my name, buddy. Don't tell me I don't know. Well, let's talk about God. Go to the book of Job and try to answer a few questions that God asked Job. Where were you when I hung the stars in the sky? Oh, by the way, can you name them? Hmm. Well, by what chords does the earth hang in orbit? I've been working on that one, Lord. <laughs> I mean, we can't even begin to imagine the vast knowledge of God. You see why we need to be humble? Now, we want our children to be humble and listen to what we have to say and learn how to do it our way, the right way, right? But where are we at when it comes to learning the Father's way? And very often, we're not where we need to be. But see, we want that respect from our children. We need to give our Father the same respect, recognizing His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He knows a whole lot more about life than we do. Can you say amen? Absolutely. And you know what, beloved? I believe this, in this book we have a recipe for a long, healthy, successful life, don't you? Come on, I've read the back of the book. Yeah, Haven't you? Amen. We win. Amen. We're overcomers. Yeah. We're victorious. Our future is bright and glorious. Amen. What we've got to learn how to do is apply these principles to the now. Amen. To the now life. And if we would just submit and humble ourselves to the Father and receive His chastening, no one likes to receive chastisement, but if we would just receive that, then I guarantee you we would all grow. We would grow as fathers and our children would grow under us as a result. And I wish I had time to do it. I don't really have time to explore it. But God doesn't chasten us with sickness and disease. You know, sometimes people think that and people have been taught that as Christians, but that's not true. You'll never find or discover anywhere in this text where this is making any reference to sickness or disease. God, the word chasten here just means to child train. It means to rear us up through precept and example. He teaches us by His Word. I would never make my child sick to get him to see a point or to learn a lesson. Now, we might do other things to try to get them to see the truth and to line up, but we certainly are not going to make them sick and give them some ungodly sickness or disease. As a matter of fact, we're going to try to nurse them back to health. Now, I want you to see something else with regard to, to child training. Look at Proverbs chapter 23, if you would, please. Now, young people, this is 
for every single one of you. And I want you to know how much I love each and every one of you. I mean, I think the world of you. And that's why I'm going to bring out this text. So that you can read it for yourself. And so that your fathers would know it's in the Bible. It says in verse 13, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Aren't you glad to know that? I just wanted you to know that you're not going to die. Just, just wanted to let you know that, how much I care about you and I'm concerned about you. Notice that again. Withhold not correction from the child, for if, if thou beatest him with the rod. This is not promoting child abuse. You understand that at all. In other words, he's just saying sometimes we have to keep the flesh in check by giving a little tap or a little spank there where God patted us so well. Amen? Come on now. You say, but this is the 90s. I can read books where we're not supposed to do anything like that. Oh, I've just read one here that says something different. It says right here that if you beat him, he's not going to die. But thou shalt beat him with the rod. I could say something. Can I meddle? May I meddle? I'm going to meddle anyhow. I mean, thank God for all the philosophies and theological ideas of the, of the day and, and all of man's theories and, and all this stuff. And I understand that people are saying, you know, today, we don't want to promote child abuse. And that's the truth. We don't want to promote child abuse. But, you know, there are two ditches. You can go to the other extreme also. I want to show you something. Some of this is demonically inspired. Listen carefully. Some of this is demonically inspired. Look at the next verse. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. At an early age, children need to be corrected properly because if not, something happens on the inside. We have to drive them we have to drive them away from hell by correcting them and keeping in check their flesh. And the devil would want to promote what? Don't do it. Why? Because he wants to take them to hell. That's why. God said right here, if you have to spank them once in a while, and then he say back over there in Hebrews, your father's corrected you in the flesh. See, the heavenly father doesn't correct us in the flesh. He corrects us in the spirit. We've got to work with the flesh. And on occasions, if a child needs it, they need to be spanked, they need to be spanked. And as a result, you'll save their soul from hell. Aren't you young people happy I said that now? We don't want you to go to hell. Amen? Amen. We want you to be saved. And then look at Proverbs chapter 20. Now, parents, dads, all of us dads out there, th this is for us. Young people, listen carefully. I want your undivided attention now. Don't you leave me. You say, why should I listen to you? You're just getting us a spanking. <laughs> well, this is for after the spanking. Okay? That's why I still want your attention. Proverbs 20, 20 says, Whoso curseth his father after the spanking or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. You know what that word curseth means? Who speaks against his mother or father? Hold on. You know, we live in a society today when we have even teachers that are out there in the world that are teaching kids to disrespect even their parents and undermine the authority of parents. We've got to get back to God's principles, beloved. Listen carefully. You speak against your mother or your father your lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. And today it's just almost a common thing that kids can just speak out against their parents at will. And it seems like there's been a loss of respect. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's a sign of the latter times. The children will be disobedient to their parents and dishonoring them. Don't you let anybody talk you into dishonoring your parent, your father or your mother. And don't you let any thought come into your mind that tells you to curse or to speak out against your father or your mother. Do I have everybody's undivided attention? Don't let a thought, don't allow a thought into your mind to speak out against your father or your mother. Okay? Now listen. There's a good side to this. 
You say, hurry up. <laughs> Let's get to it. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6. It's the one I told you about. Don't dishonor your father or your mother. Young people, you have a ticket to long life and health. You do. You really do. Oh, if I knew this again, I would not have been as ornery as I was. At least I pray not. Have you ever been there? I was there. My mother said she prayed for me to have a kid just like me. You say, oh, you were one of those. Yes, I was one of those. Prayed for me to have a kid just like me. That's what she did. She said, you are something else. She'd stick my nose right to the floor to try to get me to pick up a fork I threw on the floor. I wouldn't do it. I would not do it. I guess I was just stubborn. I don't know. I wasn't taught the word. I was too young at that time. But, I'm, but what I'm talking about, we're not to dishonor our parents. Children are never to speak against. You know, you get kids get together in groups and talk about, oh, my mom, this, my dad, that, my dad just, oh, he's just always hollering at me and telling me, I'm just so upset with him, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to run away from home and all this stuff. Speaking out, spewing out aimlessly, not even thinking a thought about it. Because everybody does it. I mean, all the kids do it. We all talk about how old and uh, fuddy does mom and dad are and all that stuff. That's just the, the thing to do. No, that is the world getting into your mind, telling you it's okay to do that. You know, you'd be a different kid on the block if you ever stood up and said, well, my mom and dad are wonderful. But don't they discipline you? Yes, they do, and I receive it properly. Well, why are you this way? What's this attitude that you possess? I want you to read in the book of Ephesians with me. Take your little New Testament with you and open it up right there. It says, children, verse 1, chapter 6, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That'd be the reason to stop right there, wouldn't it? But look at the next verse. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? That it may be well with you, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. I said to you a time ago, a bit ago, that doing this would open up the door for you to have a long life. You know, sometimes it's certain scriptures that produce faith in the hearts of people. And if you find yourself or know of someone out there who's in a situation where they need divine intervention, you know, if they have obeyed their parents in the Lord, they have a right to go to God and say, God, you said in your word, if I obeyed and honored my parents, I'd have a long life. You said I would live long on the earth. Didn't he say it right there? Oh, young people out there, I want you to get that verse. I want you to write it upon the table of your heart. And every time you are tempted to say something against your father or your mother, you say, but you don't understand. Yes, I do understand. What you don't understand is this. It's not a matter of whether or not your father and mother are right or wrong. It's a matter of honoring God. It's between you and God. And only God has the ability to give you long life. Can you see that? So even though you may think in your own mind, I shouldn't have to do this or whatever. Because mom's this way or dad's this way. Honor your parents in the Lord and you've got a promise from God. Now man may break his promise. But God can't. And God won't. Like I said, if I learned this when I was growing up, what a difference that would have made in my life. Not that I was all that bad, but I'm just saying that, that I, would, I would pick up on this and say, God, you said it right there. And I, I'm taking it for my life. Number six, Ephesians 4. You're right there. Back to Ephesians 4. He is one... Our Heavenly Father, He is one who forgives and shows mercy. If I want to be the kind of father that God wants me to be, I have got to learn how to forgive as He has forgiven me and show mercy as He has shown mercy to me. Oh, fathers, we have got to be merciful and forgiving when it comes to our children. 
you know, and let's be honest with each other. We think that because they're our children, they have got to perform properly. We hold them up above all the others because they belong to us and we have high expectations of our children. And sometimes when they don't meet the standard that we have placed before them, we become very let down and disappointed. You know what, beloved? They're human beings. I'll tell you something right now. I never believed it about preacher's kids, but it's true. Man, if they find out that you're a preacher's kid, you are in a class by yourself. The expectation that people have of you because you are a preacher's kid goes beyond the realm of human reason. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher's kid or a layperson's kid. You're still a child. And you still have to learn. And you still have to grow. But we put expectations, you see, on them. And sometimes if we're not careful, the expectations we put on our children supersede expectations we have of ourselves. Ouch. Because you want something better for your child. But the thing is, here's the point. Through it all, God forgave us. And when we didn't meet His expectations, He showed mercy. And we can never forget that. There should never be any reason on this earth why children and parents don't get along. I'm not talking about even when young. I'm talking about throughout life. I really believe with all my heart that God wants us to set the standard. He wants us to love each other and to forgive. He wants parents and children to love each other all the days of their lives and to right any wrong by showing mercy. Verse 32, 4 says, Ephesians 4, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be dear followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He wants us to walk in the same love and forgiveness and show the same mercy that he has showed us. And if we will do that, beloved, guaranteed, we're going to have peace in our home. And our children are going to be reared up in an environment that's going to allow them to develop into the person that God wants them to be. Now let's close right in Matthew chapter 7 where we said Matthew 7. And finally, when it comes to our Father which is in heaven, we discover that He is one who gives good and perfect gifts to His children. Notice good and perfect gifts to His children. I know it's within us as fathers to want to provide and to give good things to our children. But sometimes if we just look at that from a natural perspective, we're limited in our thinking. There is something more that goes beyond the natural that we can give to our children. Something that has eternal value and not just natural value. Not just present value. Here in verse 7 it says, Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth, to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil or natural, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? The Bible says our God is a sun and shield who gives us grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. It says that He is the Father of lights, that every good and perfect gift is from above. It's good, it's perfect, it's appropriate, it comes from above. The Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The greatest gift that we can give to our children, beloved, as far as I'm concerned, is above anything in the natural realm. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. 
and I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.